Living Lord, I've often and very frequently been blessed by the way that you speak through Harry. Clear and incisive. We want to ask you, Lord, that just as you helped Harry in the preparation of this talk today, so you will bless us and help us to focus on the important issues that Harry brings. Help us, Lord, to concentrate on what you're saying through these words. We pray, Lord, that you would anoint Harry today, just as you have anointed him in the preparation. Now it's time for him to stand up and speak, and I pray, Lord, that he would know your strength. Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's so much to uh, choose to preach from, I'm not going to major on the, uh, the last part of Luke where uh, the uh, apostles were sent out with uh, no bag, no shirt, etc. Because that in itself, is, uh, as I say, that's, uh, that's another sermon. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry, which was primarily a ministry of preaching, healing, and proclaiming the kingdom of God. It lasted approximately three years before his death on the cross. The first half of his ministry took place in Galilee, and since his ministry was coming to a close, he sent his twelve apostles on a short-term mission trip. The apostles had seen, been with Jesus for about 18 months. Since he had been ministering by himself, he decided to send the apostles out in his name. This was possibly in part to give them experience in ministry and in part to multiply the ministry of Jesus himself. Luke tells us that Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and heal the sick. Authority is the right to do something, while power is the ability to do it. The apostles had both the ability and the right to minister in his name, and they, like Jesus, also had power given them over demons and diseases and sickness. Now they may have felt totally inadequate and unprepared for their mission, but they'd watched the master in action during their time with him, and there were thousands upon thousands of people who were deathly ill, spiritually speaking. Their initial short-term mission trip was the first of a long, a lifelong ministry. And we continue that today. Now the apostles didn't know it at the time, but their ministry laid the foundation for a ministry that has led to the salvation of literally 
billions of lives since the first century. When it was time for them to be sent out, they had to go and put into practice what they had seen and heard, because learning comes by doing, as does ours. From our gospel reading, we can see that our dilemma today is not so different to that of the apostles when Jesus sent them out. So are we ready to face the challenge of taking the gospel message out into the world around us? The same message the disciples proclaimed is the same message that needs to be proclaimed to people today. Together with the apostles, we proclaim the message of the cross and the empty tomb, announcing that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, sinners can receive forgiveness from God with the free gift of eternal life. You know, it's not solely our clergy's responsibility to do that. It's also our primary and fundamental calling. One of the challenges I believe our clergy has is that being ordained ministers, people tend to think of them as people who have all the answers to life and its problems and certainly the scriptures. But those of you who know Martin and his team will know it's definitely not the case. Nor do I think it's true of any other ordained minister. Let's face it, we all have questions about scripture we find difficult to answer, let alone comprehend. But as we walk closer with Jesus, and as we study God's word, our questions diminish in number. As we step forward in faith, It's as if suddenly the scales fall from our eyes. Elements of scripture we've struggled with are revealed to us. But of course there will always be a lot of unanswered questions we will still have. It sometimes troubles me that I don't know the answers to many of my own questions. But I've come to understand that it's actually a good thing because it just means that God is God and I am not. So there is just no way that I'm ever going to be able to understand some of the things that God has chosen to keep hidden as a mystery for the time being, that is. One of the questions that people often ask, and one that I'm sure we've all spent some time thinking about, is why do bad things happen to Christians? And why do innocent people have to suffer? And thinking about that leads to questions like, why does God leave his children here on earth to live in the midst of such darkness, evil, and sin?" That is the root of much of humanity's suffering. So why doesn't God just take his children to heaven to be with him the very moment they put their faith in Jesus? Has anyone else wrestled with those kinds of questions or is it just me? 
I'm not sure that anyone can answer those questions fully, but I think we can arrive at least to a partial answer as we consider further this morning's topic of understanding your mission. Now, contrary to popular belief, we won't be spending eternity sitting on a cloud playing a harp. As Christians, we will be doing a lot of the same things that we should be doing right now. When we spend eternity in the presence of Jesus, we will worship, we will serve others, we will continue to develop our relationship with Jesus, and I have no doubt, much, much more. But I can think of at least two things that we won't be doing So it seems that perhaps the reason Jesus leaves us here on earth when we become his disciples is to engage in one or both of those activities. The first thing that we we can do on earth that we won't be able to do in eternity is to sin. We will one day be free from the presence of sin because there is no sin in the presence of a holy God. The other thing that we can do here on earth that we won't be doing in eternity is to tell other people about Jesus. That's because the only people who will be in eternity with us will have already placed their faith in Jesus since that's the only possible way they could be there. So which of the two do you think is the reason that God leaves us here on earth before he calls us home to be with him? I think the answer is pretty obvious, isn't it? For most of us, the reason we don't share our faith more is not because we lack the skills or the knowledge, but because we fail to recognize the urgency of the task that Jesus has entrusted to us. And I think that stems from the fact that we don't really see people the way Jesus does. So the key to sharing our faith is to see other people through the eyes of Jesus, because at the moment, I don't think we do. But then we're in some pretty good company, The disciples, especially prior to our Lord's resurrection, rarely saw people through the eyes of Jesus either. The disciples would look at the crowds gathered around Jesus without much compassion at all. But not Jesus. He was moved with compassion over what he observed. People who were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, as Matthew puts it in chapter 9 of his gospel. The disciples saw mobs of nameless and faceless people. Jesus saw fields white for harvest. The disciples saw a hungry multitude with whom there wasn't, they didn't want to be bothered with. But Jesus cared enough to feed them instead of sending them off to fend for themselves. Jesus often surprised his disciples because they they tended to see people through different eyes than he did. 
And I think that we can fall into that trap also. Don't we sometimes look at people and think that even though they have made a commitment to Jesus, they have a pretty good life, a good lifestyle. They have everything going for them. They love their families and live a moral good life. When we look at people like that, it removes the urgency of sharing our faith with them. But if we look at them through the eyes of Jesus, we see them as they really are, dead spiritually and separated from God, now and for eternity. The more we begin to see people like that, the urgency to share our faith goes up dramatically, doesn't it? You see, Jesus didn't didn't remove us from this earth the very moment we became his children because he has an important assignment for us, one that can only be carried out as long as we remain here. And that requires us to be right in the middle of a world that is messy, dark, and and where sin reigns. And we will often face many difficulties and trials, as our reading from John's Gospel spells out. As Jesus prays to his Father, as you sent me into the world, Father, I have sent them into the world. And when we look past all that and begin to look at other people through the eyes of Jesus then we're going to want them to have what we already have. And that is going to be, going to create a sense of urgency in sharing our faith. When we begin to see people not just for who they are right now, but for who they can become, sharing the gospel won't be something that we dread, but something in which we delight. When someone we love is diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, there's not one of us here this morning who wouldn't do everything in their power to help find a cure or a treatment. We would research and investigate possible treatments and raise money if that was needed in order to get that proper treatment. We might even give of our own blood or bone marrow if that was needed. The world around us is filled with people who are terminally ill spiritually. And dear friends, are you aware we have the cure? Don't you think we owe it to them to share that cure with them with some degree of urgency? Our role then in this life is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And let's proclaim the message of the cross and the empty tomb, announcing that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, sinners can receive forgiveness from God with the same free gift of eternal life that we have. Now, isn't that something worth sharing? Amen.